Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Yes, it is. Back and better than ever. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance, Nick Mangold and others on the Goodyear hotline as we continue. And a reminder that while it would be my abiding wish that you spent two hours with me every single day here, because that's how long I'm here. I understand you have a life to lead. You got things going on. You can always catch up with the podcast. The title is Hashtag Greeny. They take each hour of this show. They make it each its own individual podcast. They do a real nice job with that. You can catch up with me anytime you're looking to. Again, Hashtag Greeny available wherever you get your podcasts. Meanwhile, The Scoop. The Scoop. I already told you Adam Schefter ruined my morning. Adam Schefter, when I talked about the possibility, again, I didn't raise this. Richard Sherman did. Richard Sherman said that Deshaun Watson should go play for the Jets because he, Richard, loves Robert Sala, the new coach, so much. Adam Schefter said to me, I wouldn't get my hopes up. Wouldn't get my hopes up. And as I told you, Schefty does not just say things. He's very measured. He's telling me that because he knows it. In the meantime, speaking of another, I love that. I love that we are faunting this. Can I just say this? Our show is simulcast every single day and you streamed, I guess is the right word, on ESPN+. Plus. You can watch it anytime. We just put up a graphic that says, breaking news, Adam Schefter to Greeny. Don't get your hopes up. See, I love that. That's exactly the right sentiment. That's exactly the right sensibility I want for the television product of this show. That is breaking news. If Adam Schefter says, Greeny, don't get your hopes up, that to me satisfies the criteria of breaking news. 100%. Meanwhile, I have more. So Lewis Riddick is another one who doesn't just say stuff. Lewis Riddick is another one who's very measured in the things he'll say or tweet. And I just came across this. Lewis Riddick responded. He quote tweeted a tweet from someone named Derek Connor, who tweeted Deshaun Watson should go to the Bears. And Lewis quote tweeted it with a Bears emoji, a downward facing arrow, and I'm not sure what you call that emoji of the face going, hmm, the very interesting emoji. I, I don't know if that has a name or not, but whatever it is, that's Lewis's very, very subtle way of saying, Chicago, get your hopes up. So Shefty is telling me, Jets, don't get your hopes up. Lewis is telling you, Chicago Bears, get your hopes up. These are the signals that are worth following They don't know exactly what's going to happen because no one knows exactly what's going to happen yet. Deshaun doesn't know and the Texans don't know. But these guys are hearing things the rest of us do not. So you read the tea leaves and you follow the breadcrumbs. So Shefty is ruining my day. And if you're in Chicago, Lewis Riddick is probably making yours. That's where we go. Meanwhile, I told you that maybe the best thing that could happen to a young quarterback is about to happen to one young quarterback. And that quarterback's name is Sam Darnold. And I read to you again from the Indianapolis Star. This is the second story. Oh, no, this isn't to the Indianapolis Star. This is from CBS Sports. Sorry, CBS Sportsline sent out a story of the top five likeliest quarterbacks for the Colts next year. I've told you, I think the Colts are, that's where every quarterback should want to go. The Colts, where Rivers retires and Jacoby Brissett is a free agent, and they've already made it clear that Brissett wasn't their future. They don't believe he is. But that is a coach that every quarterback wants to play for. And Reich, they have a great offensive line. They have a genuinely great two-headed running back attack because Jonathan Taylor is awesome and Naheem Hines is really good too. They've got pretty good weapons on the outside, good weapons on the outside, and they have a good defense. And you play your games in a dome. That's where every quarterback should want to be. So this article here lists the top five likeliest candidates to take over next season in Indianapolis. By the way, they have the 21st pick in the draft. So they don't have names 
like Trevor Lawrence on this list because that's not on the list of options. At number five, they put Trey Lance. That's the kid from North Dakota State whose entire season this year was one game. They played literally one game as a showcase for him in one of the five dumbest things I've ever heard anyone do in my entire life in sports. But this kid, is, he's, he is a mid-first-round draft pick people are excited about. They list him at number five. At number four, they list Mac Jones. Again, the quarterback from Bama. You know him. He's the one I like. I keep telling you, he's a kid who graduated from, from college in two and a half years with a 4.0 GPA, has a master's degree now, and if you watch him play, you see how smart he is. The knock on him, and he's got a, a rocket for an arm. The knock on him is that he isn't mobile, and that's a huge part of the game now. They have him listed at number four. At number three, they list Carson Wentz. Now, everyone has been trying to put Wentz back with Reich because Reich was the offensive coach in Philadelphia when Wentz had his best years. I'll say it again. I understand the connection, but there's no way in the world that happens now. There's no way. They just fired their head coach who won them a Super Bowl three years ago because of a conflict with Wentz. Don't let anyone tell you that isn't the reason this happened. This was a power struggle between Wentz and Peterson, and Wentz won. So you don't then turn around and trade Wentz. So I would describe, in my opinion, the chances of Carson Wentz getting traded out of Philadelphia anywhere as pretty close to zero. So I don't see that one at all. At number two, they list Matthew Stafford. Stafford is going to be an option everyone is interested in. I think Stafford has an, a, a, great, a, a great second act left in him. He's a great quarterback who's been on just bad teams with a terrible franchise. I'd love to see him, and I think a lot of others would love to see him get a chance to do some winning. He's 32 years old. He'll be 33 in February. So he's got plenty of time left. He's durable. He's excellent. So Indianapolis would be great for him. New England would be great for him. These are all places to keep an eye on. Every quarterback vacancy to me. Matthew Stafford is a name worth watching. But finally, at number one. Number one. Number one on their list is Sam Darnold. They list Darnold. Let me read you what they said about Darnold. Says here, um, Wentz has gotten all the buzz as a potential Reich restoration project. But we're not talking enough about the more cost-effective alternative. Darnold, who as fate would have it, ended up with the Jets after a trade with the Colts, is still just 23. He's under contract for just $9.8 million last year, could be retained on a fifth-year option. And while the Jets may talk about salvaging their former first-rounder under a new staff, all signs point to them drafting a new franchise quarterback in April. So I don't know if that's true. I don't know that I agree with that. I don't know that I think the Jets are going to draft. I think the Jets want Deshaun Watson desperately, but who doesn't? So they'll go after him like crazy. And if they don't, I think they will think long and hard about drafting Darnold's replacement at 23. Uh, Excuse me, at number two in the draft, Darnold, again, is 23 years old. But if he does wind up leaving, and I've said repeatedly, I like Sam, I will root for him wherever he goes, and I think the best thing that could happen to him is to wind up on another team. The best thing that could happen in that circumstance, for all the reasons I gave you, is to go to Indy. Indy has everything the Jets don't. They have great offensive coaching. They have a true brilliant offensive mind, as opposed to the fake one the Jets had. They have great talent around him. They have a great offensive line. They have everything that the Jets didn't give Sam Darnold. So if Darnold is going to become the player I think he could be, Indianapolis is a great place for him to do it. Let's see what happens. The green list is still on the way. A fundamental change in sports I think you're not going to like is on the way. And Nick Mangold will join me live as we continue. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio.
For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call ClickGranger.com or just stop by. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. Small business protection just got easier with more than 30 coverage options available. Progressive has you covered. More at progressivecommercial.com on a very busy day in which Aaron Rodgers has described his future as a beautiful mystery. The latest news out of Kansas City is extremely favorable. At this point, I think everyone would consider it a shocking upset if Patrick Mahomes isn't able to play this weekend because of the concussion protocol. I think the bigger concern now is the foot or the toe. They're not confirming it's a toe. They're calling it a foot injury. Looks like turf toe. Either way, if he's not able to move around back there very much, that feels like it could be a factor in the game. And Adam Schefter ruined my morning because when it was suggested that Deshaun Watson might wind up on the Jets, Schefter said, I wouldn't get my hopes up. I wouldn't get my hopes up, which sounds like the name of a new segment on this program, which is called Greeny, and it gives me the opportunity to say good morning to one of my all-time favorite players and one of the all-time really good guys talking football. He is former Jet and former Ohio State legend Nick Mangold, who joins me on the Goodyear Hotline. Hello again, Nick Mangold. Hey, Greeny. How you doing? I've been well, my friend. It's good to see you. The last time we were together, I think, was at a Super Bowl get-together a year or two ago and, and back in a time when you could still do that, and I hope that we can do it again Seems hard to believe that we were surrounded by hundreds of people and everyone felt good about it, how, how things have changed. But a bunch of things I want to ask you about. So you're an Ohio State legend, as I mentioned, and here comes Urban Meyer. And, of course, you were there before he was the coach. But here comes Urban Meyer to coach in the National Football League. And I'm fascinated by it. I've always found him to be a fascinating person in general. What is your expectation for him and what would you describe as the biggest challenges that he will face in making the transition to the pros? Yeah, you know, I'm excited for it uh, just to see how things happen. Um, you know, I think the biggest challenge that he's going to have to face is he's now dealing with uh, grown men, um, you know, dealing with the college ranks. You're getting guys that are 18 to 22. Um, you're getting them fresh out of high school. You know, they're young. Um, you know, they're, they're still trying to find their ways. Now you got to coach guys that are, uh, you know, anywhere from 22 to could be 40 these days. So um, that's going to be a big transition for him. It's going to be interesting to see how he does with that. Um, not having the NFL experience, but, you know, the way that he's won in, in all of his programs uh, seems like, you know, it, it's going to be a good fit. Um, you know, it'll, it'll be fun to watch. Yeah, I was surprised by it. I, he, he just strikes me always as a college person, and, and there feels to me like there's a line of delineation, and one is not necessarily, to me, better than the other. I, I guess he just wants to try a new challenge because he's had so much success, but I was surprised he decided to do well. What was your reaction? I was surprised too, but I mean, at the same time, it's a great situation. You get the first round pick or the first pick overall. Um, you have a ton of cap space. So, you know, it, it's a good situation to jump into, but 
you know, that doesn't last the whole time. That's kind of the crazy part. You know, in college, you can just recruit every year and just keep getting five-star guys over and over and over again. Um, now with the salary cap and, and having to deal, you have some success in the field, you're not going to have that high draft pick. Um, you're not going to have that flood of, uh, you know, talent coming in like you do in the college ranks. So um, seeing how he manages that, uh, will be the uh, the big key to success down there. Nick Mangold is with me. He was a first-round draft pick in the National Football League in 2006. And, and Nick, I, I, I feel like you have been retired for quite a few years because you have, and you are 37 years old. So what is your reaction to Tom Brady, against whom you played for many years in that AFC East, doing what he's doing at the age of 43? It's quite impressive, you know, and I think your quarterback, you know, it's nice that you get the you get to sit back there. You're well protected. You're not banging like the guys up front. So, um, you know, it's a grain of salt uh, that some of us have been retired. But, um, you know, it's impressive either way. You know, the way that he's still sling the ball around, the way that he still seems to be enjoying the game. Um, it, it's pretty cool to watch. Uh, I just wish I could have watched it from a different division. Um, while I was playing. You know, I, I'm thinking back to when you were on the Jets and the team acquired Brett Favre. And people, I think, sometimes forget how good that year was, how good he was, how well he played, and how well your team was playing until he got hurt late in the year. And, and so I think back to whatever it was he brought then, leadership and, and just credibility because he was an all-time great. And, and I wonder if you think back to that and you can sort of see how Brady has brought so many of the same things to the Buccaneers. Yeah, you know, I, I think when you have that pedigree that, um, you know, a guy like Brett Favre has, like Tom Brady has, uh, that's a huge help for uh, the program as a whole. Um, and when I think back to my Brett Favre days, you know, we had a good young team going. Uh, we had some great experienced veterans um, throughout the offense and defense. Um, we were just kind of missing that one piece and, and, and ended up Brett being that piece until he got hurt. Um, and then, you know, we continued on and we, we got to back-to-back AFC championship games with the, pretty much that same team. So, um, you know, w- when you find that right spot and, you know, I know Tom probably did his homework to make sure that he was going to the right spot, um, you know, picking the right team, you know, that has all the pieces there. Um, they seem to be hitting their stride. So it's going to be a fun game on Sunday. No question. Greeny and Nick Mangold, what do you expect? Rodgers on one side, Brady on the other, snow at Lambeau Field. You can't ask for more than that. What do you expect to happen? Yeah, it's going to be interesting because, you know, obviously Brady has the experience of being up in New England. So he's dealt with the cold and, and the elements and everything. But a lot of those guys on that team, Tampa Bay team have it. Um, so, you know, it, it's going to be interesting. You know, Aaron Rodgers just seems like he's in a groove. You know, he is smooth. He's having fun. He's loose. Um, I, I think what's really cool for us this weekend as fans is that you get to see uh, the old guard and the new guard. You know, we'll have the Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady going after it. And then Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen going after it. So you know that the Super Bowl is going to end up being uh, one of the old guys and one of the young guys. And that's pretty awesome as a fan. Absolutely. I I see it the same way. And I think all football fans are in for a treat. And there's really no bad matchup we could wind up with at the end. Quick final thing. Obviously, you played your whole career for the New York Jets. There's this possibility that they're going to go out and and, and find a way to get to Sean Watson. What are your thoughts as you see this Watson thing playing out? And any expectations as far as how the whole thing goes? You know, I, I, I remember seeing the rumors and, you know, you look at it and I think he's obviously a great talent and he, he's a great quarterback. Um, my concern would be that Houston is going to ask for too much um, and that to get Deshaun Watson, you would have to pay um, a lot. And for a team right now that seems to have a lot of holes, has a lot of uh, issues that they need to fill, 
Um, you know, spending all that money on one piece, I don't think we're one piece away from getting the Super Bowl. Um, I, I think we still need to build it up, and I, I hope Joe Douglas does that as he's uh, looking at this free agency and looking at the draft. Um, I think it would be cool. It would be a big splash. Uh, but at the same time, I don't know if that's for the, the longevity of uh, establishing a winning culture around here in, in New York. That's a fascinating perspective on it. Nick, it's always good to catch up. Thank you very much for this. We'll, we'll talk down the road. Be well. Of course. Thank you. You too. All right. That's Nick Mangold again, Ohio State legend, terrific player for the Jets for a really long time and now uh, doing some analysis and doing really well with it. Again, the green list is coming up next today, including some of the names that did not make it. And a fundamental change to maybe our favorite sporting event that I do not like on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny, the podcast. All right, Greeny with you as always live from above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. In just a few minutes, I will have today's green list, which is a great one. The five greatest quarterbacks never to win the Super Bowl, inspired by Philip Rivers and his retirement announcement yesterday. But it is my pleasure to welcome on the Heineken uh on the uh, Heineken, my goodness, I just read Heineken. We're here in the Heineken, we are uh, the Heineken River Deck. Here on the Goodyear Hotline is my friend Lewis Riddick talking football with me. Hello again, Lewis Riddick. What's up, man? Well, you were there for the devastation today. You you were there for the moment. <laughs> for the moment, Shefty said to me, "Don't get your hopes up, Greeny," and and that yes. devastated me, Lewis. And I, I I appreciated how you sensed my pain. Yeah, man. Look. That's what that's what the end. That's what makes the NFL king. And you just you you were just the poster boy for it, right? Every off season, right now, everybody who's not in the playoff, they shift everything towards hope, 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 hope. Just give me hope. Just get throw out all these scenarios where my team becomes relevant. My team makes it to the playoff. You fell for it. Adam crushed it. Now you're back to square one. I blame Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman is the one who said it. Not me. I didn't just make it up out of thin air, Lewis. That's true, and you know, and Sherm's got clout. Sherm's got clout. Sherm's my guy. Look, you got to respect him. And you know, he may be right. I, I don't know. Adam said, "Don't get your." I don't know, man. You know, maybe Adam's dialed in with Joe Douglas, and Joe's like, "Look, I'm not giving up three ones. I didn't. I didn't maneuver all these trades to get all these picks just to give all of them up for one guy." We'll, well see. That's an interesting we'll question. Let me ask you about that. Because, again, you're a person who someday will be doing that, making these decisions for a living. And I just had Nick Mangold on it. But take the Jets out of this equation and just any NFL team. He said, he, Nick Mangold, the former Jet, 
said he'd be concerned for a team that has as many holes as they do about giving up too much. Yeah. You have all this draft capital and all that. I, as a fan, will sit here and say, to get that guy, to get a 25-year-old quarterback who's that good, I'd literally give up anything because once you have him, you've got the hardest part. Now you start putting together the rest of it. I guess I would ask you, what would constitute too much to give up for a player like that? Well, considering that the price, supposedly, I mean, now this is this talk, people saying that they polled scouts, GMs, whatever. Supposedly the price starts at three ones. And then we start negotiating. Like that, that, That's almost like a given here. Let me just set these three ones over here. Now let's talk about what else you got that you can give me before I start talking about giving up my franchise quarterback. That's a lot, man. That's a lot. And you're, and you're right. And, and Nick Mangold is right. Look at the roster. Look at the other 52 spots on the roster. Outside of Quinnen Williams, um, is there anything else that's just not tradable? Is there anything else that you would just that that's not interchangeable? I mean, they have a lot of they have a lot of depth issues, man. And 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 you you got to look at it like this. What can we get in the draft? We have time. We have a new coach. We're going to build, right? This is, this, is the whole, this is the other whole hope thing, selling hope in off season. We have a new head coach, a new direction. We're going to build this thing from the ground up, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so forget a figure. We're going to probably take our lumps again for maybe another two, one to two years at the very least. But what, what else could we get? If we drafted Zach Wilson, if we drafted Justin Fields, and then we filled in the rest of our roster and continue draft, develop, draft the core, develop the core, draft the core, develop the core, supplement with free agency, is that not a better option than give up three ones, maybe another two and a player for a quarterback who then we can't give him anything. We can't really surround him with anything unless we just go, you know, if we just go crazy in free agency and bring in a bunch of free agent types. Is that really the way we want to build our team? Is that really the way you want to start off with a new coach? I get that philosophy too. I do. At some point the price is going to become too great, but for many people, Great is is all relative. I mean, maybe, maybe maybe there's some who really think it's it's worth giving up three ones if that truly is going to be the price. Three ones plus some. That's steep, man. That's steep. I would I would not want to make that decision either. Hmm. I would probably want to draft my core, especially if I'm starting over and resetting my organization, and I had a choice between you know of some of these young quarterbacks coming out in this draft outside of Trevor. I would look long and hard at doing that. I really would. But Deshaun, make no mistake now, make no mistake, he is a pillar. He is a foundational piece in the truest sense, in every sense. So that's what that's what's gonna make look, this is again, this is again why the NFL is fascinating. Because this guy's gonna drive the off season conversation and rightfully so, much to the detriment of Houston, which put themselves in this position, unfortunately. 100%. Greeny and Lewis Riddick. And then I read your tweet on the air that is now 43 minutes old, but someone named Derek Connor tweeted at you that Watson should go to the Chicago Bears, and you sort of... Uh-huh. Your response, I, I never know what the name of this emoji is, but you sort of gave it the, hmm. it, 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 It's Bear Down. It's their song that they sing up there. I oh, know. no, I know that one. It's, a, it's that, be- but, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, which, but which other one did I put? That oh. little thinking emoji, that, you know. The, that, the, the thinking emoji, like, yeah, yeah it was interesting to me. Yeah. It's interesting because I, I, and I, and the reason why I put that is because, look, if you're in Chicago right now, if you're Matt Nagy, if you're Ryan Pace, if you're ownership, okay, 
And you're thinking, well, let, let's just forget ownership. Okay, let's just forget them for a second. Let's, think, let's look at Matt, Maggie, and Ryan Pace. And you know this is it for you this year. you got to do something. And you definitely have to do something at that quarterback position. Would you be thinking of a way to try and say, look, if there's, is there any way possible we could get this guy here? Because I can tell you this. Matt Nagy loves Deshaun Watson. And Matt wasn't in Chicago when Ryan Pace drafted Mitch Trubisky. Matt was still in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. I know he loves Deshaun Watson. I know for a guy right now who sees his, his future in Chicago teetering on the brink of disaster, you think right now he's not trying like hell to figure out a way to get into the mix in that discussion? I guarantee you he is. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. So that's why I made it. I, I, didn't, I didn't think of it you know, when we were talking about it for the show because they don't have the kind of cap space that a team like Indy or the Jets have. And they don't. So therefore, and, and they're looking at a situation where maybe the GM and the coach are, are you know, really sitting there with a very un- uncertain future. Whereas with uh, these other organizations, when you're talking about the Jets, and you're talking about teams like the Colts, I mean, they're set. They're set for the foreseeable future. And they have a very solid direction and a very – a, a direction that you can see very clearly going out two, three, four years. And that's why I didn't put Chicago in there. But Chicago's desperate. The head coach and the GM are desperate to figure out the quarterback position. And I'll tell you this, it made, it made me start thinking when that, when that guy tweeted that at me, and knowing Matt like I know him, I know his wheels are turning right now trying to figure out, could I be a player in this? Could I somehow get my name into this? Um, trust me, he's trying to figure it out. Oh, I have no doubt. Lewis Riddick with me here on ESPN Radio. Fascinating. So much off-the-field stuff that you're right will carry us through the next several months. But let's deal with Sunday. Just give me, as we look ahead to these conference championship games and the order in which they'll yep. be played. So we start with the, with the NFC game, Brady at Rodgers, legendary matchup, Packers at Bucks. What will decide it? When we're talking Monday, what will we say was the difference in this game? We'll say turnovers. We we just will. And and I know, look, you know, every every coach I talk to, no matter what scenario it is, preseason, early season, midseason, late season, postseason, Super Bowl, every coach says, you know what, this, this is going to sound like football speak, but just look at turnover differential and how it relates to winning percentage since the beginning of time, since they started tracking that thing. And I'm telling you, you'd be foolish to not look at it. And when you look at how Tampa Bay's games have gone this year, when Tom has gotten into trouble turning the football over, they've lost. When Green Bay has lost games, well, let's just say when Green Bay lost the game against Tampa Bay, down in Tampa Bay, it was at week six, right? And we talked about this on mm-hmm. Get Up. Yep. They lost. That's the key. Who can protect the ball the best? And it's not just Tom and Aaron. It's Aaron Jones. It's Leonard Fournette. It's Ronald Jones. It's Mike Evans. It's Devontae Adams. Whoever has the ball in their hand, make sure – when the ref blows the whistle and they're lining up for the next down, you still have it in your hand. Because if you give it away to the other team, that's what's going to determine it. Coaches used to tell me all the time, you carry the fortunes of the entire franchise in your hands when you have that football. We'll see which, one, which team protects it the best. I, I think it's right, and we had the stat this morning. Brady, in his postseason career, 18-0 and in games in which his team wins the turnover battle. So that makes all the sense in the world, especially since they turned over Rodgers twice in that first meeting. And then, Lewis, how about the other game? Assuming Mahomes does play, and all signs seem to point to that, what will we say was the deciding factor in Chiefs-Bills? 
Oh, I, I think you're going to assume Patrick's going to play, and I'm going to assume Patrick's going to play, and you're going to assume that they're going to score points. So really what's going to come down to here is third down efficiency and red zone efficiency for Buffalo because that's where Josh is to shoot people up. Shoot them up. And it doesn't matter if it's third and two, third and, uh, third and three to six, or third and seven plus. He's chewed people alive. And then when you get in the red area, I mean, he's like, he's like a different version of Lamar Jackson as far as his run-pass throw ability, I mean, run-pass ability. So that, that's what's going to decide it there. Can they stay on the field and convert on third down? And I don't care how they're doing it, Greeny, quite honestly, with this football team. Although I prefer them to be more balanced, I just want to see them sustain drives because when you sustain drives, that takes time off the clock and keeps Patrick on the sideline. They need to be good on third down and then score because you know Kansas City is going to score. They always turn it up at this time of year. They're going to score. So he has to be efficient in that way. If they aren't, they lose. If they are, Buffalo could wind up pulling this upset. We don't get a bad matchup no matter what winds up happening. Lewis, you are the best. Thank you. Enjoy the games this weekend. I'll see you next week. You got it, my man. See you. That's Lewis Riddick with me again. He's looking at Chicago. I think there's a couple of different ways to look at this. And if I seem obsessed with the Deshaun Watson thing, you will have to excuse me. But, you know, there are two kinds of teams in the NFL. There are ones who have quarterbacks like Deshaun Watson and then the ones who would give anything to have them. And I mean literally anything. Um, and, and so I remain obsessed with that and he's looking at Chicago and I get it. I mean, it's easy to see why the bears would want that. Frankly, it's hard to picture more than about five or six teams that wouldn't give anything to have Deshaun Watson. It's difficult to figure out the other two pieces of that. What is it they're giving Houston that will make the Texans feel good? And what is it Deshaun is looking at and saying, yes, that's a really attractive option for me relative to some of the others that are out there. The best thing the Bears have going for them is that they're in the NFC. I think if I'm Houston, if I ultimately get to a place where I have no choice but to trade Deshaun, I might say to him, look, I get that you control this thing to some degree, but can we find an NFC destination for you? There's no way you trade him to the Colts. I don't care what happens. You can't trade him in your division. You just can't do that. And I would try very hard not to even keep him in the conference. You don't want to be losing con- you know, playoff games to Deshaun Watson for the next decade. So if I'm Houston, I'm trying as hard as I can to get him to the NFC. I guess that is what the Bears have going for them more than the Colts or the Jets or some of the other teams that you hear regularly in this. It's going to be fascinating to watch. And Deshaun Watson wants to make sure he doesn't someday wind up on the green list of the greatest quarterbacks never to win the Super Bowl. Speaking of which. The list is what determines who matters in this business. All right. Sorry, I talked over it. (laughs) Bubba's going to yell at me again. Um, The green list today is a great one. Inspired by Philip Rivers, who yesterday retired after 17 sensational seasons. Nuno and I sat down. This is a tough one. This was a very tough one to do. And as I give you the top five quarterbacks of the Super Bowl era to to never win the Super Bowl, I will then give you the three names that we debated the most putting onto the list. But quickly, because we did it earlier. Number five. Number five is Warren Moon. And and I I almost feel bad even putting him at five because he deserves to be higher. Warren Moon deserves to be higher. Warren Moon's career is is, is in some ways a very sad story. Warren Moon basically wasn't allowed to come play in the NFL because at that time they just didn't have, we just didn't have black quarterbacks. It's a disgrace, frankly. And he wound up having to go to the Canadian Football League where he just set the league on fire, broke, just was unstoppable. 
in the CFL and then finally made his way to the NFL where he led the league in passing twice and was the league MVP once and is 12th all-time in yards as it is. Warren Moon was so good, so good. It's really a, a terrible story that he didn't get to come right into the NFL in a different generation. If, if he was 20 years younger, Warren Moon would be way higher on this list. Although, who knows, maybe he would have won multiple Super Bowls. <coughs> Pardon me, he was that good. But one way or another, I couldn't do the list without him. Warren Moon is number five on the list of the best quarterbacks never to win the Super Bowl. Number four. At number four, I put Phillip Rivers. I, I think Rivers deserves to be on the list. Unbelievable career. Fifth all-time in passing. Fifth all-time in touchdown passes. Just no postseason success. Not just no Super Bowls, but no postseason success is the reason he is behind the other people he's behind on this list. But he had a great career. First ballot Hall of Fame, in my opinion, and he is four on the list. Number three is Fran Tarkenton. Fran Tarkenton, I think, is a largely forgotten player. Now, Fran Tarkenton was a terrific player. The 70s were a great era for pro football. Fran Tarkenton led the Vikings to three Super Bowls. Didn't win any of them. And they ran into great teams. They ran into the Steelers, and they ran into the, the, the Raiders. And who beat them in the... Oh, the, and the Dolphins, the Greasy Dolphins. So, the Bob Greasy Dolphins. And... and, and um, so he made three Super Bowls. He was the league MVP one year. He was nine-time Pro Bowler. And he really revolutionized the position. They called him the Mad Scrambler because he ran around at a time when quarterbacks didn't run around. So Tarkenton is an all-time great player. And when people talk about the 70s, they talk about Bradshaw and Staubach because they won Super Bowls. Between them, Bradshaw and Staubach won six Super Bowls. And Stabler won one, and he was a great player. Tarkenton was a great player. He's number three. On today's list, best quarterbacks never to win the Super Bowl. Number two. Jim Kelly is two. Four straight Super Bowls with the Bills. Another one who didn't go right to the NFL. That was a different circumstance. He chose to go to the USFL, the Houston Gamblers, if I remember correctly, when he first got out of college at the U. Great college player. Once he got to the NFL, he was the leader of, you know, one of the greatest teams of all time. I think we have to call the Bills that. I know they didn't win any of them, but they made four straight Super Bowls. No one's ever done that before or since. And he absolutely belongs on this. He was the leader of one of the great teams ever. So Jim is number two on the list, and number one is easy. Number one. When we started doing the list, the first thing I did was write down number one is Dan Marino, and then I started figuring out who comes after that. And for anyone who is not old enough to have seen Marino play, and you say to yourself, you know, other guys put up bigger numbers, and just trust me. To watch Dan Marino play was to like was to like to watch Picasso paint in person. To watch Mozart sit down at a piano and just start tinkling with the keys. Dan Marino was so beautiful to watch throw a football it could bring tears to your eyes. And I've never hated anyone like I hated him because he was the quarterback of the Dolphins. I mean that in the pure sports way. He's a delightful man. I've gotten to know him since. But he was the Jets' arch rival. I never feared anyone like I feared him. I feared Marino. As the rival. Like, if you ever want to find out how good a player is, ask the rival. That's who really knows. So, Marino, I feared more than I feared Brady. I was more afraid of Marino than I was of Brady as a fan. I'll tell you that right now. Marino was, it just goes, he just was, but when he retired, he had every record that there was. They've all since been surpassed. But Marino, everyone who watched him play is nodding. There's no question. He is the best quarterback of the Super Bowl era. Never to win a Super Bowl. And those 
of the top five from today's green list. Let me quickly share because a lot of people are sending in suggestions for names that we left out because this was tough. Nuno and I spent some time on this today. So the three names that we have here, or at least the the first two, are Donovan McNabb and Dan Fouts. I loved Fouts. Fouts and, and that Air Coriel Chargers, I loved watching them play. And they were awesome. And, and they never got to a Super Bowl. They wound up, they got bad luck. After they won maybe the greatest football game ever played, the legendary game against the Dolphins, the Kellen Winslow game, the hook and ladder game, all of that. After they won that game, they went to Cincinnati. And do you remember what happened to them in Cincinnati? It was negative 59 with the wind chill. They played the Bengals at Riverfront, and, and with the wind chill, the temperature was negative 59. Is the second coldest game in the history of pro football, second only to the ice bowl, and they had no chance. If you've ever seen the, the pictures or the video of Dan Fouts in that game, you've never seen a person who wanted to play a football game less than that. Fouts is a West Coast guy. Played his, play, imagine you're playing in San Diego, and now you show up in Cincinnati, and it's negative 59. So, so if Fouts had gotten to a Super Bowl, we might remember him more. He's a Hall of Famer. I, He's a great player. I couldn't put him ahead of any of these guys. I wanted to. I really did. I grew up loving watching Dan Fouts play. And those teams were so good. And they were ahead of their time, the Coriel teams. But I couldn't put him ahead of any of these guys. Another is McNabb. McNabb, I think, gets short shrift. You know, Donovan, he, he was not beloved by his own fans at times, I, I guess because he never made it. He made five NFC Championship games, four straight NFC Championship game appearances, got to a Super Bowl, put up huge numbers in Philly. He, he, he's not on the list. I don't apologize for not putting him on the list, but his name deserves to be mentioned. And then as we were kicking around some other names, I mean, depending on how you look at it, Michael Vick is an interesting one. Vick is an interesting, he had an interesting career. So it, there's a lot of names you could have put on here. Steve McNair was another one that we contemplated. Won an MVP award. But in the end, I'm, I'm happy with the list. I stand behind the list as the world's foremost authority on all matters. The top five quarterbacks of the Super Bowl era, never to win one, are Moon, Rivers, Tarkenton, Kelly, and Dan Marino, number one. Thanks so much for hanging out today. I had a great time. I hope that you did too. I'll see you back in better than ever. First thing tomorrow morning as we get up with you on ESPN for a full-scale football Friday. And then we'll be right back here, same time, same place, on ESPN Radio.